Welcome to a special Saturday edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast that seeks to catch up on some things that happened in Albemarle County government this week. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and this one goes out on February 6th, 2021. Thanks for taking a listen today. On today's show, Albemarle's Board of Supervisors pushes back on the idea of a three-year process to update the comprehensive plan. The Albemarle Architectural Review Board weighs in on the Greenwood Cell Tower and the Rio Hill Shopping Center renovation, and a quick check-in with the Albemarle Broadband Authority. In today's shout-out from me, the Bridge Performing Arts Initiative has an opening night tonight for their exhibit Face to Face, Portraits of Our Vibrant City. Artists were matched with community members to serve as subjects, and it turns out I'm one of them. Due to COVID, the gallery is closed, but members of the public are encouraged to visit the windows at the bridge to take a view. My portrait was created by Tessaline Tabillis, and I'm quite pleased with the way her work has turned out. Go see it, and let me know what you think. The next installment of this program will be a recap of various COVID items in the news, but today's show focuses exclusively on Albemarle County though my apologies to the Planning Commission for not covering their meeting, though it is recorded. There's a full list of daily progress stories written by Allison Rabel at the end of this report. The Board of Supervisors had a packed agenda on Wednesday, and in our main segment today, they weighed in on a proposal from staff for a three-year review of the county's comprehensive plan. Virginia's code requires the Planning Commission in each locality to create and maintain such a plan to guide future development, In the preparation of a comprehensive plan, the Commission shall make careful and comprehensive surveys and studies of the existing conditions and trends of growth and of the probable future requirements of its territory and inhabitants. That's according to Section 15.2-2223. Albemarle's comprehensive plan guides all decisions made in the county, and a major plank is a growth management policy. Charles Rapp became planning director in 2019. The county's first comprehensive plan dates back to 1971. Uh, At that time, there was a population just under 40,000 people here in the county. Nine years later, the county's comprehensive plan was updated to call for a growth management policy to limit suburban sprawl. The Board of Supervisors adopted a downzoning in 1980 that established the designated growth areas that we know today. The last update was approved in 2015 after a long period of review. And that update, along with the numerous updates over the past 50 years, um, have added a wealth of information throughout our comprehensive plan. Um, And it has resulted in a document that is over 400 pages long that we currently have. Rapp said the county continues to experience growth, and the pandemic did not slow down the number of building permits and land use applications. Forecasts show the trend will continue. Um, The current population... uh, is estimated just below 110,000 uh, here in Almar County, County, which is bringing new challenges, uh, been topics of recent discussions with the board uh, and some of our community groups and other boards and commissions uh, focused on transportation infrastructure, affordable housing, development density and form uh, as our development areas take on a more urban character, protection natural resources, scenic view sheds and the rural areas. Rapp said the upcoming comprehensive plan update will give community members and elected officials the chance to review all of these issues. He said there's also an opportunity to add focus on two new priorities that have emerged in the past few years. Um, and there's the organizational core value of equity, inclusion, and diversity 
which feel should really be folded into all aspects of this comprehensive plan. Um, and another uh, item that we'd love to see is to strengthen the synergy between the comp plans, policies, and the goals of the climate action plan so they really align together. Rapp said staff is recommending an approach that would deconstruct the existing plan and try to root out inconsistencies. Their idea is to hire a temporary project coordinator to work on a three-year, five-phase process to update the plan. The first would be pre-planning, but planning manager Rachel Falkenstein said community engagement would begin in the second. The second phase we're calling big questions and community goals. And here's where we would begin the broad engagement process uh, on developing a community vision. The third phase would deal with land use topics in order to set expectations for community development. The fourth would include development of new policy recommendations, and the fifth would be adoption of the plan. The conceptual framework included in the board's packet said this would take place in the fifth quarter of 2024. A new committee would be created to oversee the project, and members of this project advisory group would be paid stipends. The county would also hire artists to try to find new ways of conducting community engagement. Not mentioned by staff, but this year, three years are up on the Board of Supervisors, and the other three are up for election in 2023. Before then, current supervisors get to approve the pathway forward. Supervisor Diantha McKeel is in the final year of her second term representing the Jack Jewett District, and she expressed this concern. Three years is taking me back a little bit. Uh, That is a long time, and I understand there's a lot of work, and we don't want to rush it, but three years seems like to me a long time to get this update done. The last comprehensive plan took four years to update. For comparison, the city of Charlottesville is entering its fifth year of its comprehensive plan process. But back to Albemarle. The first plan in 1971 envisioned a lot more urban development than currently planned. Supervisor Ann Malik has been active in civic affairs there since the mid-80s and was active with the Earliesville Area Residents League. Back in the 90s, 80s, Earliesville Crossroads was a village. And thankfully, during the early 90s, the leaders of our little organization, at the urging of the residents, said, well, go down to the Board of Supervisors and ask them when we're going to get our sewer and our sidewalks to go with all these townhouses that we're supposed to have right here in the middle of Earliesville. And the board at the time said, you're not getting any. And so the response was, well, please take away our village. And they did. Uh, But that's not going to happen now, I'm sure. because of the, all the services have expanded out much, much further than they used to, to be. This will be the first comprehensive plan for Supervisor Donna Price. She said Albemarle's population has grown by 175% since 1971. This simply exemplifies the complexities of what we are dealing with as, a, as an urbanized county that many of our other nearby communities don't face and really demonstrates the necessity for a comprehensive plan, review of our comprehensive plan. Price represents the Scottsville District. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley of the Rivanna District was elected at the same time as Price. She said she thought the plan revision should be conducted through the community advisory committees rather than create a new one. And I've got a, I will be honest with you, I've got a problem with offering some stipends to people depending on, I didn't see how much it would be per person. That amount wasn't given. 
Lepisto curtly said she would support a chapter-by-chapter review of the existing documents, rather than appear to start from scratch. Supervisor Liz Palmer's first year on the Board of Supervisors was spent during such a review. She's the representative for the Samuel Miller District. But a lot of people communicate through the board. They elect us, they listen to us, and um, and uh, uh, development and land use planning is what they're asking us about half the time. So um, I would want to make sure that the board is quite involved in this and doesn't come in at the end when you guys have gotten this document all together and it's dumped on our lap. At the end of the discussion, planning director Charles Rapp said he would try to come back with a way to speed up the timeline. A new proposal will come back to the Board of Supervisors at a later date. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and support comes from the Valley Research Center, possibly on Valley Road. We're not quite sure. Now back to the program. Earlier in the board's meeting on February 3rd, the Board of Supervisors agreed to pursue several avenues to convert several roadways to classifications that would allow them to be under the purview of the Architectural Review Board. Three years ago, staff noticed that several of the county's 21 entrance corridors were not actually compliant with state guidelines. One of the disqualified entrance corridors is Avon Street Extended, which lost its status. Staff is recommended asking the Virginia Department of Transportation to classify the roadway as an arterial, but that has triggered concern from members of the 5th and Avon Community Advisory Committee. Supervisor Donna Price read from a letter that they sent. We know that a corridor study is supposed to be taking place on Avon Street Extended, and we have some serious concerns as to the impact that obtaining arterial status may have, specifically as regards things like speed limits. We have Mountain View Elementary School up there in Biscuit Run Park at the southern end of Avon Street Extended. Transportation planner Kevin McDermott said the corridor study is already completed. He also said that arterial roadways can continue to have speed limits of 35 miles an hour, but they would review the application to see if any changes would need to be made. DDOT will, will, will not have any issue with us installing pedestrian facilities like are recommended in that corridor plan uh, if it were an arterial, but they're not going to make that distinction. McDermott said the arterial status would not interfere with a crosswalk at Mountain View Elementary School. Supervisor Liz Palmer said the 5th and Avon CAC also wants to make sure that Old Lynchburg Road near Southwood can be an entrance corridor so that new development can be reviewed by the ARB. Albemarle's Architectural Review Board met on Monday, and its members had no issue with the appearance of a 94-foot cell tower that Verizon wants to build in Greenwood off of I-64. The ARB has jurisdiction because this site is within an entrance corridor. Albemarle's current wireless policy does not ban such towers, but requires them to blend into the scenery as best as possible. ARB member Fred Missile said the process has worked well for the past 20 years. Of all of the projects that we do in the county, I think the way the visibility of these monopoles has been handled has been top-notch compared to other counties. The ARB's review was limited in purview to the I-64 entrance corridor. The tower will also need a special use permit from the Board of Supervisors. 
ARB member Frank Hancock said he understood opposition from neighbors, but supported the application. To me, this is entirely appropriate. Um, I really don't have any issues with it. Relatively new ARB member Christian Henningsen agreed, but with a caveat. I had no concerns about the appearance from 64. Um, I think the adjacent landowners have a different perspective on it, and the appearance may actually be a lot different from that perspective, but um, that's kind of out of our purview. The ARB voted 5-0 to zero to approve a certificate of appropriateness for the tower. Next, the ARB reviewed a plan to renovate the 31-acre Rio Hill Shopping Center, which is owned by a company associated with the Connecticut State Retirement System. Josh Kagan is with Hart Advisors and is the owner's representative. Retail has changed and and COVID has accelerated that change. Uh, And I think as a result, um, retail is ever more binary and there are going to be winners and losers. The Rio Hill Shopping Center was built in 1989, and Kagan said this redesign is intended to make it relevant in a shifting retail landscape. I want you guys to understand what our vision is. This is not a short-term sort of fix. This is to create and transform the public experience of this real estate. This year, the TJ Maxx on site will move to a bigger space where Dick's Sporting Goods had been, and a Sierra Trading Post store will open. Those are the first steps as part of a larger redevelopment that will continue. The existing canopies will be removed, according to David Timmerman of BRW Architects. You know, what we're looking for is a site that brings people, that attracts people, that makes people walk from one end to the site um, to the other. One corner of the new site will be demolished in a future phase of redevelopment to make way for new construction. Frank Hancock said he appreciated that some of the empty retail spaces would be filled. I like being able to you know, reimagine the, the dick space as, you know, that you see those giant voids, those big empty retail spaces. So, you know, I think having that reoccupied is, you know, definitely a positive on the corridor. Kagan said Sierra Trading Post and TJ Maxx are hoping to move to their new location in the fall if an expedited review can be held. Later in the day on Monday, the Albemarle Broadband Authority met at a rescheduled meeting. The county will pursue funding for several projects in 2021 through both the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative and the Federal Rural Digital Opportunity Fund. That's VATI and RDUF for anybody paying attention to acronyms. Mike Culp is the Information Technology Director at the county. That's IT. You know, the likelihood of one or both being awarded is still high. We just have to go through a process to make sure we do all that we can to make our next big deadline, which is February 8th. The authority went into closed session at the end of the meeting to discuss some of the details of the VATI application. There are nine specific goals called for in Albemarle's strategic plan, and one of them is to expand broadband. Culp said the Board of Supervisors will be briefed on February 17th on an initiative to expand Internet to all residences in Albemarle County. That follows an announcement last year that Nelson County is planning to achieve that goal in 2024. The ABBA Board will meet with the supervisors at that meeting on February 17th. 
I mentioned at the top of the newsletter that I'll have a list of daily progress stories written by reporter Allison Rabel. One of those is on the broadband authority having expanded wireless to 3,000 homes in the last little while. She also has stories about the Planning Commission's discussion of fee increases for developers. She also has a discussion about the reclassifications for the ARB and a discussion of the comprehensive plan planning process that you've just heard about. Um, We need a lot more reporters and a lot more eyes in this community. I thank everybody who has so far supported this endeavor. And that's it for this installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast for February 5th, 2021. We'll be back in the near future with another installment before the week ahead newsletter goes out. I do want to take this time to thank you so much to those who have supported, as I just said just a moment ago. Uh, The other thing you can do is to make sure that you send this on to somebody else so that we can continue to grow the audience. We're approaching a major milestone in the audience, and I'm really glad that you all are either reading or listening. Obviously, if you're just reading this, you're not listening to this, but uh, that's an existential crisis that we'll discuss in a future installment. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host. Be safe this weekend, and we'll be back soon. Thanks. Thanks.